Welcome to Plex Weather. This is Jason Anderson from Black and Red United. Welcome back to the show. Uh, for everyone that's been listening, welcome to the show if this is your first time. This sound, The sounds coming to your ears are thanks in part to a microphone cord that I replaced. So thanks for everyone that's been contributing to the podcast with the tip jar. It's super meaningful to me. Just wanted to say that right off the bat. The microphone cord is also shorter than the one that came with my microphone, which I like because the other one was way too long. Uh, so real, real big, big news in the podcasting world. Uh, one microphone cord replaced. You're not here for that. This is not a microphone cord podcast. This is a Washington Spirit podcast. So we have a few things to talk about. The second segment, we will, or we, I'm, I'm still doing it. I can't stop myself. I have Julia Poe of the Orlando Sentinel coming on to talk about the pride who the spirit play tomorrow. Unfortunately, I meant to record this yesterday, kind of ran out of time, and then today got busy again unexpectedly. And so now it's the afternoon and I'm just now recording it. So that was, it was a fun segment though. Got to learn a lot about what, what makes the pride tick uh, right now, why they're doing so well. So that should be a lot of fun. Uh, in the meantime, we do have two games to talk about here. The spirit played at home in Houston, their natural uh, home venue, BBVA Stadium, the place where we've all seen the Spirit play many, many times. But no, not really. Um, It's a technical home game for record-keeping purposes. It'll go down as a home win, very much not a home win in any practical terms. But the Spirit did, in their home blues, uh, go to Houston and beat the Dash 2-1. Came back, I should say, came back uh, to beat them 2-1, won that game while playing down a player. So um, a really impressive win over the dash. And then maybe even more impressive, in my opinion, just uh, four days later, went out to Tacoma. After flying back, They the team flew back from Houston to the East Coast. I don't know exactly what went into that. I, I assume that with the difficulties of air travel right now, it seems like everyone's having a hard time. If, if you follow the league, you might have noticed that Louisville's trip to Portland has been a a disaster uh, in which like the coaches were supposed to leave last because they couldn't get everyone onto the same flight. So the coaches said, put us on the last flight. They actually ended up being the only ones to get to Portland. The team ended up elsewhere for untold number of hours. Uh, Their luggage was lost. So air travel right now is kind of a mess, but the spirit had to come back. They came back to the East coast for a day and then flew out to the West coast to take on OL Rain. They ended up beating them one uh, nothing on a Megan Rapino own goal. That not really Megan Rapino's fault. The the ball really just hit her after she probably couldn't even see it coming on a corner that uh, Karen Bardsley came out for and just didn't didn't make a clean grab. Um, so two wins, getting the job done without Andy Sullivan in that second game with her off the field after the red card in the first game. I think a real landmark for this team, especially if she gets called into the Olympic team in in a few weeks here, that's going to be a major thing because this team has struggled to really play Washington spirit soccer without her. I will say that they did have to maybe not play the traditional Washington spirit soccer without her. They, they had to adjust. And so instead of saying, we're going to play our way exactly as you've come to expect it, they really, they had to modify things against Houston. It was, you know, they pulled Tara McKeown, Pulled her out in the 54th minute, really went from 4-3-3 to 4-3-2. And I've got to say, you know, at that point you say, okay, it's 1-1. It's in Houston. It's a hot night. Getting away with a draw would be a good result. But they actually didn't just hold Houston off. They were actually maybe 
debatably the more threatening team uh, for the first, you know, 20 minutes after that card. 20 minutes is up until they scored their goal. Natalie Jacobs was the sub that came in. Uh, she ended up playing a wonderful ball over the top to set Ashley Hatch in alone against Jane Campbell, where she really did the job from there, took it around Campbell and, and knocked it into an empty net. Really kind of a, a textbook execution on playing 10 v 11 and still trying to remain dangerous. This, I don't, after they got up, maybe, maybe five minutes after the goal, 75th minute onward, the spirits energy levels really were low enough. The fatigue started to settle in that the dash started to put them under sustained pressure. But up until that point, the spirit didn't, they weren't, it, this was not parking the bus. This wasn't just bunkering in and, and hoping for the best. They play, they, managed to defend further up the field. They kept their shape really well. And they this wasn't their first attack. This wasn't like the one and only time that they got in behind Houston to get a goal in that, that period of time before uh, their energy levels dropped while they were down to 10. So a really smart uh, adjustment from the coaching staff and you know great execution from the players because ultimately they had to dig very, very deep to make this one happen. So really uh, kind of a big win. It seemed like it might be a big win at the time, uh, the nature of that win. And it, we're not in far enough down the road where we can say it definitely was, but at least the first data point after that is this rain rain win, this uh, win on the Pacific Coast, where again, this was another digging very deep. Anyone that's traveled to the West Coast knows uh, going east to west, that six-hour flight. You really, after that, you just want to kind of not have much to do for a day or so. Um and instead, the Spirit had a game to play, playing on this narrow field. Uh, I think my a verbatim quote I got from Richie a couple of weeks ago at training, maybe a month ago at training, uh, was small fields kill us. And uh, the rain play at Cheney Stadium, it appears to be the smallest uh, or at least the narrowest field in the league. So really, the last venue you want to be playing in if you're the Spirit because of their they want to be expansive in possession. Richie always says expansive. That's a good word. Um, not that's not criticism. That's a, a pretty good word. I just I'll use it as well because I can't think of a better one. And on top of that, this was also Rose Lavelle's debut for the Rain, which I'm sure none of us really enjoyed. On it's it's nice to have her back on the in the league, but it's also not so nice that she's playing for somebody else. That's that part's not so fun. So yeah, this one was a really a tricky game for the spirit. The rain had just come off of a win over Portland. They were well rested. They're at home. This was this was a tough one. Uh, I'm surprised. Uh, I was actually surprised enough that I asked about it after the game that there wasn't a lot of rotation here. Uh, normally, when you have games this close together, this much travel, uh, you see teams tend to want to swap out some players to keep some fresh legs, get some energy in there. And instead, you know, the players that maybe I suspected might end up being rotated players like Kelly O'Hara and Tori Huster. I thought maybe they would split the game at right back and Tegan McGrady would come in. They both played the full 90 Huster at right back and O'Hara at left back. Again, they went 90 in both games. Julia Rotter started again. Jacobs came in for Sullivan. The only change that Burke made that wasn't due to the suspension was to bring Kumi Yokoyama in for Trinity Rodman, who between Several there have been several incidents with Rodman getting uh, caught by opposing defenders, whether it was you know, the elbow to the ribs and uh, a few weeks ago against Houston. I think she got a player kind of landed on her uh, on her foot that looked like it was a painful one. So um, some minutes management there for sure. But that was it. The rest of the team stayed. 
there was the adjustment formation wise. I think this was much more four, two, three, one for the spirit than their normal four, three, three. Really, we're just talking about the wingers dropping off a little instead of being wide forwards. They're playing as wingers, which if you play football manager, maybe this matters to you. But otherwise, the, the we're talking about a few yards difference here. So maybe it's not that important to spend too much time on. But it did mean it did require the whole team playing a little bit deeper in their their block. They didn't sit low, but they didn't sit where they normally do either. Their line of contention was a little lower. And I think that was an important thing. They ended up really, as I wrote on Black and Red United, um, or actually I think Andre might have written this part, but we both we both were in agreement on it. So maybe that's why I didn't write about it. They really kind of t- turned this game into, uh, I think the way that it was put was a coin toss. And the idea here was like, look, we're on the road. It's it's difficult circumstances. The other team has obviously a big reason to be excited uh, with Lavelle debuting at home in front of this crowd. Let's make sure that we don't let this game get open. Because if this becomes an open game, then if inevitably you're going to get Rose Lavelle running at people in space. And we know maybe more than anyone in the league that that's bad. You don't, you don't want that. So what you want is for the game to be compact, uh, played in a tight footprint. And so they really, the spirit handled the narrowness of the playing surface by actually making the game even more narrow than the surface dictated. It's kind of an interesting, like an almost like a judo kind of thing, like using the rain, the rain's advantage of playing on this narrow field, the spirit used it against them by going even more narrow, uh, which I don't think anyone would have expected. I certainly didn't expect it. So uh, it did not seem like the rain expected it either. So full credit to the team on on that approach and succeeding at it, because it's also it's one thing to come up with a good game plan on paper, but the the application of it is the key thing. And this team in the past, the spirit have been presented with a plan that makes sense on paper. But because of the way that they are built to play, when they have to get away from that, the specifics of what they like to do um, or and what they are you know best at doing. It's not even really about preference. It's about the thing that they are best at doing. Now they have to go do something else that's not really their forte. And in the past, it's been a problem. This was different. This was, they really made it tough for the rain to get anything going. There were there were not a lot of chances in this game at all. Um, so it was a really tactical game. Uh, and, and that can be, you know, if you're not too much into the tactic side of soccer, it can play as boring because there's just not a lot of excitement at either end. But it was a really... It was a real mental challenge for the spirit. They really had to think their way through this game. And they're playing against a team in the rain that do like to change things as the game goes on. Fareed Benstidi doesn't just send his players out there and say, you figure it out. They did try to change some things as the game went on. They tried. Ciara King was maybe drifting towards Megan Rapinoe to try and uh, open up a gap for Sofia Huerta or for Jess Fishlock or Rose Lavelle, any of them to try and get into that space. That didn't really work uh, for the rain. They, they then went away from it. Rose Lavelle started, you know, she spent a lot of the game going left, which makes a lot of sense. You want to play towards Megan Rapino. The rain in general tend to be heavily left-sided to begin with, but none of it really worked. The spirit really uh, locked things down all over the field. Um, they just made it so that there was no way through. Big, big credit to the back four, who I think had, this was the best performance from them this year not just from the score sheet, not just from the expected goals stuff, but the eye test as well. Just a, a really across the board 
organized, intelligent performance, focused, no mistakes, really, really high end stuff from the spirit to get through this game, to manage this game, to make it the game that they wanted it to be. And then from there, you maybe you catch a little luck. The goal is definitely a bit of luck. Um, I don't think that's a goal that we're going to see the spirit replicate this year. It'd be nice to see them score more set piece goals that don't involve a goalkeeping mistake and an own goal. But, you know, earlier in the season, we were talking about the spirit not getting a lot of luck. So maybe some of it's coming back to them a little bit. And this is maybe the 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 payback of, of a little bit of a, a luck debt that was being built up in the early weeks. So we'll see if that's the case or if this is just, you know, random things happen in soccer sometimes and you just hope that you're on the good side at the end of the match. Um, this could be a case of that. But even if you take that goal away, I would have said that getting getting out of there with a 0-0 would have been a pretty admirable uh, result, especially in the context of how the spirit went about it. They made sure that the rain didn't get the game that they wanted. Uh, and from there, the game became really, really even. And at that point, you set yourself up in an even game where if if there's the one bounce that goes one team's way more than the other, you might come out on top. So full credit to the team for for that from a a mentality standpoint, but also a thought process standpoint. It was a really smart game all around. So really really impressive stuff from them to get these two these two results coming off of the Louisville game where as has has been discussed they they had a good game for the most part they did not put their chances away they pushed for the win and got kind of caught out actually I'm glad I remember to bring this up because one of the things Richie Burke said after this rain game was that um he made a triple sub in Louisville um Louisville sorry I'm I'm saying it the wrong way I'm I'm having a bad one as far as pronunciation goes, but, but out there they had, they made the triple sub 64th minute and it dis, you know, I test, you know, I think fans and, and I, I would think we were in kind of agreement here that it did kind of disrupt what the spirit were doing. It was an understandable idea to get some energy out there, but it came at the cost of some fluency in, in their play. And Richie said one of the things on his mind was that they disrupted the good stuff that they had built on in the game with that, with making too many changes at once. And that was part of what factored into few changes in Tacoma. Um, Some of it was just the, you know, the coaching staff talked to the players that might need that rest. And they said, no, we're good to go. So the combination of some veterans who know their bodies and know when they've got the energy to play and when they don't having that energy. So that's a a tribute to them in terms of keeping themselves ready to go their professionalism at the stuff we don't see, you know, all that diet and foam rolling and ice bath stuff. It, it adds up. This is the kind of thing it, it results in is being ready to go for this game against the rain. So the little things definitely going the spirits way as well. Um, they, they earned it is, is I guess what I'm getting at. They earned this through preparation and through, being professional and and not not letting themselves sag or say like oh this is kind of a you know the schedule is kind of setting us up for a bad news here um instead of thinking about it in those terms it was just like it doesn't matter we are prepared we're ready to go we know what to do here so we're going to go do it with that in mind uh i'm going to conclude this segment and move on to the orlando preview which uh will start now joining me now uh, for the first time on Plex Weather, uh, it's Orlando Sentinel, Orlando Pride, Orlando City, all things Orlando soccer uh, writer, Julia Poe. Julia, thanks for joining me on the show. 
Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. It's been it's been a little while. Uh, I'm just kidding. It hasn't been a little while since these teams have played. Um, it feels like it's every other week at this point, mm-hmm. um, which is very bizarre because uh, I also f- I feel like there are some teams the Spirit don't play for, I don't know, till like September almost. And yet we're, it's game three against uh, between these two teams, the Spirit and the Pride. But I think the broad thing is also this is a top of the table game. Uh, I don't think I don't know if I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I don't think I expected this to be a top of the table game for both teams. Uh, I thought the spirit would be a work in progress for a little while. So we're here. The, the the pride have they've only lost one time this entire year. They're scoring goals. They've tightened up at the back. We'll get into the on the on field specifics about that. But I wanted to ask maybe like a really you know thirty five thousand feet kind of question. What is what has changed with the pride that is allowing them to play so well at this point in the season? Oh, I mean, it's it's so much. I mean, even just looking at I, I realized this at the start of the season that I before we went back into in-person interviews at the start of the season, I had not met two thirds of this team in person mm-hmm. because that's how much roster overall had happened in the last year and a half. And so you know, it, it feels like people have known what this team was about for a while, but in reality, this has been a, a two. Oh. oh no! I just spilled my entire. Down. So, as you probably heard a noise at the end of that last little bit, I just spilled most of a glass of cold brew at the very start of an interview, which is a great way to conduct yourself when you're interviewing people. Julia, I don't know if I completely broke your train of thought by doing that and then having to ask you to to wait for a second while I grabbed an old beach towel to try and clean this up. So I guess uh, what what has changed? You were, you were saying that the um, you hadn't met most of or many of the players on the roster. Um, mm-hmm. So what what has changed? What what were you where were you going with that before I so rudely interrupted and caused mm-hmm. myself a future problem? This is the highlight, the highlight of our conversation. Uh, no, yeah, I mean, there's there's just so much that has changed personnel-wise um, since the last time that anyone really truly saw this team on the pitch. I think a lot of folks kind of factored the fall series last year into their estimation of this team, which is a, a very unfair framing to have put on them. You know, they're, they were mostly planning rookies, half of the short-term contract players from that team. Didn't even, you know, look at the the overall talent that was added with some former spirit players coming onto the team, uh, picking up some big players from formerly Utah, now Kansas City. Uh, you know, there's just a shift both in personnel and then also in tactics. I mean, Mark Skinner went from being a first year manager to being technically he's a third year manager now, but I mean, he didn't get to really coach the team last mm-hmm. year. So I think people are seeing multiple seasons worth of progress kind of get condensed down into these first couple weeks of the season. I think that's why a lot of people were so surprised. Mm. Uh, You mentioned, um, I was going to say this for later, but you did mention the spirit players that have ended up down in Orlando. Not that this is the first, there are a bunch of spirit players in Orlando, Um, but some of them have been down in Orlando long enough where you have to say that they are as much or more Orlando players uh, when you look back at the history of their careers. Mm -hmm. Um, But in two cases, uh, Meggie Doherty Howard and Crystal Thomas, they just joined the Pride this year. They were actually with the Spirit uh, last year and and kind of had to endure the COVID season up here rather than down there. Um, How are they fitting in? What, what What is their 
place within Orlando's uh, squad at this point? Yeah, so they're they're having kind of different experiences based on what they were brought in for and kind of what their unit looks like. So Meggie Darby Howard has been, in my opinion, one of the pickups of the last offseason. I mean, just such a force in that kind of double pivot with Gunny being able to provide so much on the defensive end, on the offensive end, um, her timing and her ability to see when a transition ball is coming through and being able to just snuff it out before it happens has been instrumental in the pride getting better at defending counters, which they used to be, if you remember 2019. I mean, that was just the mm-hmm. easiest way to slice and dice that team up was to just hit them straight off a counter. So Meggie has been instrumental. Um, she's a local Floridian as well. So I think it's been really impactful for her after, you know, the last year we've been through just being able to be like home and close to mm-hmm. close to folks. So She's been a huge pickup. Uh, Crystal, she came in as striker depth behind Alex Morgan and Sydney LaRue. So it's kind of expected that, you know, you're not going to see a ton of playing time uh, behind those two, obviously, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and she picked up a little bit of a knock there also when she came in in the preseason. So it's been a slower start for her. I think that looking at these big international gaps that we're going to have with Alex being gone, that's going to be when she's really going to have some time to kind of pick up and shine and show what she can do. She has some really young competition too. I mean, Abby mm-hmm. Kim, Taylor Korniak can slot up into that number nine role. So she has some really like young, hungry rookies that are going to be nipping at her heels, which I think will be really good for her to help to establish herself in that group. If she can get into that rhythm on any team with Alex Morgan on it, you're going to have plenty of time to show yourself as a backup striker just because you know she's going to be gone for every single international break that comes up through the season. Uh, so we're, we're speaking of Alex Morgan. We were coming off of um, it's a few days after the team of the month uh, ballot came out, or maybe it's only a day. I don't know how time works anymore. It's COVID broke that for me forever. I think I don't Same. know if it's ever going to get right. Um, but you know, Alex Morgan was player of the month. Sydney LaRue is also on that team of the month list. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, both of those players have, for, for a pretty wide range of reasons, not been able to replicate their best form, the, the form that we've seen them play, whether it's international or, in LaRue's case, also in the league elsewhere. Um, but they're playing, they're obviously, they're playing so well right now, those votes were not an accident. Um, and I feel like I could take a few guesses about that, but I was curious how much of this is like a just being healthier and, and having time to settle in with a, a specific squad or, or the style of play that, that Skinner has maybe shifted to, or are there other things uh, helping them, you know, really get to this point where they're kind of like arguably the most dangerous attack in the league at this point? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a laundry list of things that are making Alex and Sydney work together the way that they are right now. Number one is just them being fit. Um, and they are both at a level of fitness that I think might be some of the peak fitness we've ever seen them at. I mean, Sydney came in ready for last year to be her redemption year, and then she didn't mm-hmm. get that. So she basically just spent like a full year training, which should be terrifying to every mm-hmm. single defender in the league. Um, mm-hmm. And Alex a- attacked her pregnancy. She was working out through her pregnancy at such a high clip that she just came back from it again. Both of them, I think, are at a point where they're just managing their fitness. They figured out how to they're, – they're both at a point also where, like, the kids are on good enough sleep schedules where they're able to handle that. It's just like those little things are working mm-hmm. for them. And then on top of it, they just have a level of support 
that they've never had together at the Pride. I mean, number one, they have each other. They play mm. so well off of each other. Their style of play is so well fitted. I think a lot of people have really been bemoaning the fact that there weren't really a ton of chances to see them play up top together like this for the national team. I mean, it's it's just a different level of synergy between the two of them. Alex has been helped a ton by Taylor Korniak and just the mm. connection that the two of them have. It's kind of an uncanny rhythm that they already have together. You see sometimes Taylor will just kind of flick a ball onto Alex and know where she hit, she is. And that comes from training, obviously. And then finally, I think it's, it's having the defense a, so that you're not spending the whole game pinned back in your, in your defensive third, just like trying to slog out of that. But it's also the fact that Mark Skinner has changed his tactics enough that he understands that you have one of the fastest, fittest teams in the league, which was his goal coming into the season, use it. And so he hits on those counters. He has his team hitting on those counters so fast and hard. And when you kind of look at the makeup of this team, how quick they are, how athletic they are, they're really tough to defend in that situation. Mm. I mean, it's hard to stop Alex Morgan or Sidney LaRue on their own when they're on the run. And then when you've got both of them coming at you and you have to make a decision, it's just, it's that much harder. So I think this is something that Pride fans have been waiting to see for so long. And I think they were waiting so long that they started to like not even believe that it was going to be that good when it got here. And mm. that kind of diluted expectations unfairly. And now that it's here, it's like, yeah, this is these are two of the best attackers in probably world women's soccer. And they're supported by Marta. Like at a certain <laughs> point, you just gotta look at it and be like, what are you gonna do with that? So mm. a lot of what they're their questions now are like, okay, what do you do when Marta and Alex aren't there? And mm. that's going to be a big question coming up after this next week is, is okay, what other pieces do we have besides, you know, two of the greatest women to ever play soccer? Right. Um, so I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Marta as well, because like, you know, Morgan and LaRue, obviously big names. Marta is like a world legend for obvious reasons. Um, but you you also mentioned Taylor Korniak, and she has been that fourth piece of that uh, attack. Um, I think everyone that has watched a single Orlando game knows that she is very tall. Um, that that kind of is hard to deny. Um, but what else? You know, that's that's an obvious uh, asset. But what else is uh, playing into her? You know, you mentioned the understanding she has with Morgan. What else is factoring in that allows her to be not just the fourth player on that with that group, but actually an effective part of it? Yeah, she was one of those players that really benefited from going abroad on loan last season. Um, mm. She had a very hard time with it. She went to Germany. She did not have fun. Some some folks went abroad and had like a, a good time. She did not have fun on her loan period. She's like very open about that. It was just all business and it was very emotionally challenging for her. And she grew up a ton from that, um, mm. like very visibly came back just more more polished, more professional, understood what it took to to be at that level. So I think that's part of the reason why she's playing a little bit above a rookie level is just that she got that time and that experience. And then from there, I mean, I think her height and her size can kind of diminish her. It's interesting because I cover Daryl DK here too. And mm. they're they're the same height, which is just the context thing that I think people don't understand of how tall she right. is, even though she looks very tall. But it's also the same thing where I think sometimes her size gets spoken about so much that people don't look at the other parts of her game. She's really good with her feet. She has mm -hmm. a really, really wicked fast shot. I mean, once she starts figuring out how to kind of 
smack some of those shots that rebound up at the top out. Like, watch out. She's going to either hurt someone or score it because that ball comes off her yeah. foot like crazy. Um, but she has a lot of field awareness and a lot of ability to, you know, she's she's going to be converted into more of a forward role. But at heart, she's an attacking midfielder. So what she wants to do is set up everyone. So when she gets the ball at her feet, she's looking for her teammates. And when you have, again, Marta, Alex Morgan, Sydney Lurie being the three teammates that you're finding, it makes it that much easier. She has that awareness, but she also has people where if the pass isn't perfect or if she's, you know, her timing's a little bit off, she is playing with people who can absorb those and move through them. So I think her... Alex Morgan has been working with her a lot. Sydney LaRue's been working with her a lot. The two of them really took her under their wing this year. And you see that anytime there's a dead ball, they're just like over their arm around her talking. And mm-hmm. I think at a certain point, if you're being taken that seriously and coached up that much by players like that, you're going to, you're going to grow. Um, you're going to be at the top of your abilities. So yeah, it's, it's been fun watching her build into this year and there's a lot more that they want out of her, but right now they're pretty happy with, with where she's at because she's playing extremely well. Yeah, I think you, you mentioned those um those shots she's taken. Um, I think there were a few free kicks when Marta maybe wasn't on the field, or even during the challenge group where they might have allowed her to just take one to see, you know, give it give her a shot. And uh I I was like, this it looks like she's going, it was it was like 35, 40 yards. I was like, I think she's just going for goal. And then she went and I was like, I understand now why she was doing mm-hmm. that because um that was one of the most powerful shots i've seen in the league so oh, yeah. um yeah not that necessarily you know we might not see that set piece in this game because marta is available which i think for spirit fans is like a i guess i'll be polite and say a mixed bag um her history against the spirit is better than the rest of her history which is astounding mm-hmm. um but it is nice to see her play anyway um yeah. there is there is that benefit um you know, at the other end of the field, um, as much as, you know, we're talking about this attack, I think um, from what I've seen of the pride, the real key goes back to something you said early on, which is about how they become better defending really mm-hmm. at everything, especially in transition. Um, they seem more focused. They seem to have better concentration kind of across the board. Um, what has Mark Skinner changed? What has he done to maybe get that focus level up and maybe get a little more, I don't I'm necessarily want to say buy-in but it does seem like a team that is invested in defending well in a way that maybe they weren't in the past yeah I mean that was where he was investing for the last year and a half I mean you look at where this team has added players and they have not been going for anything big and flashy on the attacking end because I mean they already have big and flashy on the attacking end um first bringing in Ali Riley has been a game changer on and almost as importantly off the field. I mean, she brings an energy, a buoyancy, a a form of leadership that this team really needed. Um, You you need lots of different types of leaders. And I don't think they really had an Allie Riley who is just bringing a level of joy all the time, every single day. I mean, I'm out there at training in the morning and I don't know how she's doing it. It's, it's like, it's like a shot of espresso in a person. It's crazy. Um, so having her off the field, I think, has just helped that buy-in that you're talking about. Um, but, I mean, on the field, Allie has been, uh, Mark Skinner will say, the most consistent player for the Pride this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's saying something given the fact that Alex and Sydney have been scoring the way that they are. But she just is locked down 
She's often taking on some of the hardest uh, matchups. You know, she had to deal with like Trinity Rodman before and she's Mm -hmm. handled them some of those tough matchups, like as well as anyone can. Um, So I think, I think it's that first, second, the, the younger players that they brought in Courtney Peterson and Phoebe McLernan have really paid off the fact that they have so much history playing together coming from Virginia. So they were able to just Mm -hmm. slot in. They're so used to each other that they have that shared language. Um, I think McLernan has been one of the most important players for them this season. She was also named team of the week this week, their team of the month this week. And her ability to grow through the start of the season and really get to a point where her center back pairing with Krieger, there's not really an easier side of that defense to take on because McLernan mm-hmm. has become so sturdy. And then I also think it's the, it's the midfield. Like you can't just defend through your back line. And I think there's been times where the back line was fine for the pride, like in 2019, but there would just be times where the midfield was just a, you know, a sieve and it was just letting so, so many things through and now having again, Maggie having gunny players like that in the midfield who are, physical and they're going to give as good as they get. I I think that that really has just allowed them to have better defending across the board. Even Sydney is defending up in that striker position. She loves defending. She'll tackle Mm -hmm. anyone that comes near her. So um, I think just team wide, that's kind of what they want to do right now. They want more shutouts. They were very proud of their shutout over the weekend. And uh, that's a very different feeling from 2019 (laughs) when they were letting in, you know, 50 plus goals in a single Mm -hmm. season. Yeah, uh, it is. It it definitely, uh, you know, it, it's funny to see them be this much of a different team with not necessarily massive uh, a massive roster overhaul. There are players they brought in, but it's still it does feel like they've changed a lot without having to change out the whole squad. Um, which is which is kind of it's kind of an unusual thing in NWSL. It feels like the teams that do improve dramatically very quickly or seemingly quickly. Um, it's usually a, like, we're going to swap out 10 players this year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I, I, I do, you know, I mentioned that this is the third time these teams have played already. Um, I know from up here, uh, the the spirit view uh, from the fans, from, you know, if I could paraphrase the, the, the players as well, um, it seems like they feel like they should have gotten a little more out of the first two meetings. They lost the first one. They uh, had a tie in the second one. Um, but they also acknowledge that they did leave some of this. Some of that's just not, it's not bad luck. It's just they left it on the table by maybe being some wasteful with some chances. Um, so I'm I'm asking much as much for myself because we have this you know the Zoom dynamic now where after a game we can't we used to be able to speak to both coaches both sets of players um, and now those things are happening at the same time. You can't really do both. You can try it, but I feel like it's probably uh, you're going to miss something. Um, so I've just been sticking to one and if I, you know, if I miss the other one, so be it. Um, so I'm curious what Orlando's perspective was on those two games and, and how does that play into what they're looking for, uh, this weekend? Yeah. I mean, that first game that, that win for Orlando was, I don't even know if you can count that in the overall scheme of things. Cause that was such a moment of catharsis for that mm-hmm. team. I mean, they had not won in a year and a half and they were feeling it and it was, it was huge. And especially, you know, that second half performance from Ashlyn Harris. I mean, it was just, it it was, it was very special uh, what she was able to do. And then it was just a special moment for them 
So I think the emotions were very high after that win. Coming off the last game, they were a little bit more even. You know, this is a team that wants to be, they want to be possessing more than they have been. And, you know, we we talked about the transition game, um, which has been highly effective for them. But they don't want to be a transition-only team. And I think that they're getting a little, not a little tired of it, but they're at a point where they've gotten enough good results in a row, especially now, that they're ready to take that next step and be like, okay, we don't need to be the team that's got 45% possession every game that's, you know, having to be clinical on our chances because we're only getting a few. Like, they want to really move into being more possession-oriented and really, like, pushing teams onto the defensive using their high press more. So I think coming out of that last game, that was more of the feeling of frustration is just that they want to not even frustration, but just an area of growth. They want to pick things up and move things forward that way. Um, And I think over the last week, we really saw that growth against some different opponents of just them being able to, even though they're still not as possession oriented as they'd like, they're still getting that high press in more. They're still getting long, long periods of possession where they're attacking. So I think that's been, that's been the thing. Also, the last, if you look on the defensive end, the last two meetings against the Spirit have been really huge periods of growth for the defense. Um, mm-hmm. Courtney Peterson wasn't even a regular starter at outside back in that first meeting, and now she's really become like the favorite outside back alongside McLernan. So there's been a lot of defensive growth, and I think that for the Spirit, that's something to look at because if you're not producing like a ton of chances, you're going to have a hard time getting past that back line, they've figured out how to, you know, they kept Kansas city from even having a single shot on goal. Like Ashlyn Harris Mm -hmm. was just, didn't have to do anything in that game. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, it's a growth piece for them and it is weird how many times they've played each other. I mean, they're going to be very familiar with each other at this point. Well, uh, Julia, that's all my questions. and I don't have any more drinks to, to topple (laughs) onto my uh, carpet. So I'm going to, um, seed the floor to you. Uh, where can people find your work? Uh, I hope that people are already following you, but if they aren't, where can they follow you? Yeah. So I, uh, all of my writing is at the Orlando Sentinel, orlandosentinel.com. And then my Twitter is by Julia Poe. So you can see Orlando pride content. There will also be Orlando city content there, but it's pretty even. So lots of women's soccer there. And that's the show. Thanking Julia again for her time and everything she had to say about Orlando. Kind of regret that we didn't have a little more of a dog appearance, uh, but that's okay. We'll, we'll we'll get the dog the dog content in. I promise. Uh, I believe with the spirit and their dog their dog ownership rates, I think it's going to be a, a factor throughout the year on this podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want to follow the podcast on Twitter at Plexweather, all one word, you can play the podcast from the tweet that announces it. It's very that's that part's easy. If you want to find it on actual podcast platforms, if that's your preference, the show's on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. You can find them on the website, plexweather.pinecast.co. So the show, all the shows are there. If you want to download them or listen to them on the page, uh, I, I'm not the boss of you. You you figure out what, whichever one works for you. I'm happy. Uh, I hope that people are listening to it and enjoying it. If you really enjoy it and you want to support the show financially, there is a tip jar on that website, also on the Twitter account's bio. If you want to throw some some money my way to cover things like gas or microphone cords or uh, water, uh, since 
tomorrow's game uh, is going to be like 94 degrees. They do give us water in the press box, but it's going to be a like, I don't know, six bottles of water, maybe Gatorade as well. I don't know um, if any if any hydration sponsor wants to help out as well. Get in touch with me directly. Uh, I would be glad to talk about your product on this show if it keeps me from passing out in the press box on a hot day. Until then, until uh, next next time, so next week, uh, that's it for me. Uh, thanks for listening.